Ensure your next purchase is a real deal and shop authentic handbags, watches, sneakers, streetwear and jewellery from eBay, backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. You're listening to the New Yorker Poetry Podcast. I'm Paul Muldoon, poetry editor of the New Yorker magazine. And it's my privilege to invite poets on this occasion, Ada Lamone, to choose a poem from the New Yorker archive, which she will have scarred, to find one that she is particularly keen on. And then we'll be asking Ada to read one of her own poems that, as it happens, was also published in the magazine. Ada Lamont, who won the 2005 Autumn House Poetry Prize for her first collection, Lucky Wreck. So welcome, Ada. Oh, thank you. It's so lovely to be here. The poem that you've chosen to read has a somewhat provocative title. I'm not sure if I even understand it. (laughs) It's called Pimp My Ride, Mm -hmm. and it's by Jennifer L. Knox. Yes. Pimp My Ride. (laughs) Yeah, it's a poem that I have been drawn to for some time. And I think it, in a sort of way that poetry often doesn't do, plays with humor to get at something deep and sometimes inexplainable. Isn't it strange? I mean, I'm sure we've remarked on this once or twice before, but I'm forever struck by the fact that for some readers, there's a real problem with a poem that exhibits anything like humour. Somehow that's not part of the, the realm of poetry. It doesn't quite belong there. That's for comedy. What's it doing in the poem? Yeah, I think a lot of times people are almost scared of poetry that has humor in it. And I think perhaps they feel like if it's funny, it should be funny. If it's dark, it should be dark. If it's a love poem, it should be about love and it shouldn't be about darkness. You know, and so they don't realize sometimes that a poem, when it's working really well, is hopefully doing a lot of those different things. And one of the things that I admire about this poem the most is that It is working on many different levels. And in fact, it's offering, at least in my mind, a sort of peace within the questions as opposed to a sort of answer or a solution, which I find is one way of looking at poetry that I really enjoy. Now, one of the things, of course, that I suppose it comes immediately to mind about this poem, as with so many poems of the 20th century and indeed so many songs of the 20th century, is that the automobile is very much to the fore. I mean, where would rock and roll be without the automobile and what is likely, almost certain, to happen in the back seat Mm -hmm. of an automobile? Yes, I feel like one of the things that Phil Levine used to say is, 
how poetry must have changed when cars came on the scene and when trains came on the scene, how suddenly we're looking at things out the window as poets. I think you could write a wonderful anthology of poems about cars. There's that moment where you have this rumbling white noise around you. You're in motion. You're driving or you're in the passenger seat and the world is going by you so fast. And all you really have to do is think. It's a really beautiful place for for poems to be written. So, you know, maybe we should, without much further ado, Ada Limon, invite you to read Jennifer L. Knox's poem, Pimp My Ride. Pimp My Ride. Probability, like time, is its own dimension. The 86 Chevy Suburban, laced by rust, pocked with bird poop, and Hannah wiggling in its bondo-clogged hole, is only one way the story begins. In another, we never bought the blue behemoth. We bought a 63 Oldsmobile from a lady named Dolores. In another, Dolores drove into a tree before we were ever even born. In another, we owned a house with a garage that kept the rain off, the rust out, and the paint nice. In another, it was all mine. We'd never met. In another, yours and someone else's. Likewise, after the ride is pimped, metallic flames in red and pink, unzipping across its sparkly black body, blitz of chrome, titanium woofers, enough silver satin inside to line nine caskets. This is only one story. Another's bright white and blinds like an elephant made of sunspots. Another's plantain green and full of gold. Another's purple with a sink in the back where we're arguing. In the back of another, high and high-fiving. In another, going at it like two teens made of monster truck tires. One of the things that strikes me about this poem is how unlikely the opening line is. It's what we might imagine that would come at the very end of a poem. Mm. It disobeys all those laws that we've been uh, taught in the best poetry circles about the notion of the great abstraction. Mm -hmm. And we simply cannot get more abstract than this. Probability, like time, is its own dimension, Mm -hmm. to which one wants to say, says who? One of the reasons I love that opening line is I feel like, like you said, we almost want it to be the last line, right? That declarative, like, I've solved this. But instead, it takes that and unpacks it and unpacks it and unpacks it and unravels it. And so that's what I mean about this poem being a poem at peace with the questions, that instead of giving us an answer, it just keeps swirling around. And in some ways, it's that wonderful, oh, this is what we do with the mind. This is our daily loop. What if, what if, what if? And the fact that it doesn't really reach any conclusions except perhaps the conclusion that there are none. Mm -hmm. And I love in some ways that it begins with the story of maybe, I want to say, a couple that has maybe gone through a lot. And you go through the different many iterations of the car, of the vehicle, and then in the end you get back to the teenagers in the back seat. 
Do you think at some level, uh, speaking of time travel, do you think at some level there's the ghost of that gull-wing DeLorean lurking mm. about in it? I do, yes. And uh, Dolores, of course, a lady named Dolores. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I suppose what's striking about this poem is that despite the hijinks, Mm -hmm. the truth is that the whole thing is shot through with a kind of dolorousness, with Mm -hmm. a kind of sorrow. Yeah, I think this poem is about that moment in our lives where we are given many, many different choices and we need to choose the path. If indeed we choose at all. Or have the choice made for us. That was Pimp My Ride by Jennifer L. Knox. And it was published in the June 7th, 2010 issue of The New Yorker. Now, in the June 2nd, 2014 issue of the magazine, we were pleased to publish your poem, Ada Lamone, your poem, State Bird which you're going to read for us now. It's a poem that, in a strange way, seems to be related to Pimp My Ride. I know that your first collection was called Lucky Wreck, and I suppose there's, there's quite a lot of the Lucky Wreck about Pimp My Ride itself. What drew you uh, to this particular choice, State Bird? This poem for me is a poem that... I needed to write for myself in some ways. It's a modern love poem. I say modern love because in some ways it stretches that idea of I need to tell you some of the bad things before I tell you the good things, which I needed to do in this poem. Now, while it's not a sonnet and while the listener obviously can't see it, something of its duration, though, might impress upon a listener the fact that it occupies much the same space in the world as a sonnet. In fact, it's 14 lines, but you're having some fun with that, I suppose. It's not going in the direction of sonnet dumb, but then resisting it slightly. Yes, I adore sonnets. It's something I'm drawn to as a writer and as a reader, but I do have to watch myself. I really love to rhyme, and so sometimes I have to fight against it a little bit because... Even when I hear a rhyme scheme that someone has offered, I will sort of focus on it for a good week and I can't let it go. So sometimes I think I have to get out of it. I, uh, like you, write songs occasionally. And so I think that I'm really drawn to rhyme. And so I do struggle. I have a real impetus to go there sometimes. Well, you seem to have perfectly resisted <laughs> and and completely, you've been completely successful in not rhyming this poem. Yes. Yet again, it flirts with something of the expectation that a rhyme might provoke. Yeah, I'm very interested in sounds. I write all my poems out loud. What do you? So I will write the line and then I will read the line. On the second line, I will read both the first and the second. It's why I can never work at a cafe. Well, I could, but I might bother the neighbors. Well, you might. They <laughs> might. Uh, they might pay you. <laughs> but now, do you think is this a common way of writing these days? We're very familiar, of course, with oh, in so many traditions, the Irish tradition, my own, the uh, the poems were spoken aloud. That was part of the process of composition. We know that William Wordsworth walked up and down at the bottom of his garden as he composed his poems. But 
maybe not such a common feature these days, or do you have a sense of that? I can only say from my students, well, and some of my colleagues, I don't think it's done very often. I think for the most part, they trust themselves to read it in their head and have the sound in their head. And I guess for me that I don't find that complete until I've uttered it out loud. So I need to make that leap from the page to the reading to the tongue. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker. Each week on the Writer's Voice podcast, New Yorker fiction writers read their newly published stories from the magazine. You can hear from authors like Colson Whitehead. Turner nudged Elwood, who had a look of horror on his face. They saw it. Griff wasn't going down. He was going to go for it, no matter what happened after. Or Joy Williams. Her father was silent. Slowly, he passed his hand over his hair. This usually meant that he was traveling to a place immune to her presence, a place that indeed contradicted her presence. She might as well go to lunch. Listen to new stories or dive into our archive of great fiction. You can find the work of your favorite fiction writers and discover new ones. Listen and follow The Writer's Voice wherever you get your podcasts. With access to so much information, it's hard to feel like an informed, discerning citizen. That's why on Make Me Smart, which is a podcast from Marketplace, we make it easy for you to stay in the know. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I unpack the latest from Washington, D.C. The Senate Minority Leader has announced that he will step down as the Republican leader. What's happening in AI? Uh, I mean, don't buy at the top, but holy cow, artificial intelligence and all the companies related to it are the, the hot new thing. And we do the numbers. So as a refresher, inflation is the rate of increase in the prices of things. It's not just sort of things getting more expensive. It's the speed at which things get more expensive. Because in a world that's constantly changing, we all need to stay smart. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's hear State Bird read out loud by the author Ada Limon. State Bird. Confession. I did not want to live here. Not among the goldenrod, wild onions, or the drop seed. Not waist high in the barrel aged brown corn water. Not with the million dollar racehorses, nor the tightly wound round hay bales. Not even in the old tobacco way station we live in, with its heavy metal safe doors that frame our bricked bedroom like the mouth of a strange beast yawning to suck us in each night like air. I denied it, this new land. But love, I'll concede this. Whatever state you are, I'll be that state's bird. The loud, obvious blur of song people point to when they wonder where it is you've gone. That's Ada Limon reading her poem, State Bird. There's an interesting, as I read it, confusion there at the very end when they wonder where it is you've gone. On one hand... There's a suggestion that the beloved will have gone. And on the other, there is a suggestion that the state bird itself 
might have disappeared. Or maybe there's a suggestion that both those things are happening. That ending is interesting as we talk about as poets that sometimes we're surprised by our own endings or by our own poems in general, right? Don't you feel you must be surprised by your own poem? Yes, the best. If I'm not, it's probably more of an exercise than a poem. But I feel like at the end, I was looking for a way to explain how I was the sort of loud, obvious thing as the poet that was going to record this in that moment. Whether it was the leaving of the beloved or the bird not being there. Certainly there's a note of absence Mm -hmm. that's been struck. Absence seems to be the major component there at the very end. Yeah, I wanted to get that sense of to start something new, there has to be something left behind. And in that way, I wanted this poem to have that sort of airless quality of what we do when we're starting a new journey in the way that the Jennifer L. Knox poem talks about the many, many different possibilities This one sort of talks about when you make one decision, how the others are then put to rest. Well, thank you very much indeed for uh, reading that wonderful poem, State Bird, Ada Limon, and for talking with us today. Pimp My Ride by Jennifer L. Knox, as well as Ada Limon's poem, State Bird, may be found on newyorker.com. Jennifer Knox's latest book of poems, Days of Shame and Failure, is published in 2015. Ada Limon's most recent collection was uh, Sharks and the Rivers, but she also has a book uh, coming out in 2015, and that's Bright Dead Things. The New Yorker Poetry Podcast is produced by Jill Duboff and Alex Barron. I'm Paul Muldoon, poetry editor of the magazine. Until next time, thank you. You can subscribe to this podcast and other free New Yorker podcasts in the iTunes store. You can hear more poetry read by the authors in newyorker.com and on the digital edition for tablets and phones at no extra charge from the App Store or from Google Play. The theme music is The Pintigree Ferryman from the album The Highlander's Farewell by Alastair Fraser and Natalie Ross from Colburny Records. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.